Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Nicole calling from Hamilton, and I needed to let everyone know that I really proudly support Vish and creative control. I have for many years. I will for many more, as long as he keeps delivering these amazing interview podcasts. When you hear one of Vish's interviews, you think he's known this guest for years. They're good friends. Uh, but the truth is, he approaches every interview, whether it's sort of up-and-coming indie artists or established icons or like famous intimidating comedians with uh, a really deep, genuine curiosity, so he's never met this person, and the same really warm uh, candor, as so he's known them forever. I think it really lends to a great chat, no matter who he's talking to, and for that reason, I think you should throw Vish, like what, a dollar a month? He's got jokes. The jokes make it worth it. Support Creative Control on Patreon. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash Control today. I'm Visha's wife, and remember, when you name a dog Janet or Timothy, you are dragging humanity down just a little bit. Please welcome Jackie Cation. We did it! Creative Control with Vish Khanna. Jackie Cation is a brilliant comedian who is currently based in Los Angeles, California. Originally from Wisconsin, Cation has been performing stand-up around the whole wide world for over 35 years, including on network talk shows and This American Life with Ira Glass. She has been hosting her own podcast, The Dork Forest, since 2006, and also co-hosts the Jackie and Lori Show podcast with her friend and fellow comedian, Lori Kilmartin. On November 16th, 2021, Cation's latest special came out. It's a hilarious one called Staycation, which you can listen to on all audio streaming services, or you can watch it for free on YouTube. 
Jackie and I connected for a chat recently where we talked about things like touring again and the sweet, sweet North Carolina air. The joys of doing pandemic-era stand-up on Zoom. The time she appreciated my magazine review of a show that she and Maria Bamford did in Toronto. How and why she got into comedy. How jokes do and don't age well. Podcasts and video games. Getting and replacing pets future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations to sustain this show at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, all of which are located in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts, located in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 655th episode of Creative Control featuring the amazingly kind and funny Jackie Cation with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jackie. How's it going? It's good, except for that the, the heater in my room doesn't work in this hotel, and so I'm wearing a lot of clothing. It's uh, it's winter. Yeah, I see that. Where where in the world is your hotel room? Well, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and let me tell you something. Outside, it is 70 degrees, which I usually don't wear a jacket when it's 70 degrees in Raleigh, North Carolina. Very beautiful. When it's 69 degrees in your hotel room, I want to wear a hat. Yeah, uh, I'm chilly. <laughs> I'm cold. Can, can, do they have a front desk? Can't you call someone? Can't they come yeah, and fix it? I'm, I'm going to do that. I've I've put it off for a day. I don't know why, but uh, <laughs> but it's happening. It's going to happen right after we're done with this speech. <laughs> you're a you're a seasoned you're, uh, you're, you're a seasoned stand up comedian. <laughs> right. You've been touring for a long time now. Decades. You'd there's, think I would know th- about the whole calling the the front desk. Well, there's that part, but I was just going to say, there's no chance in hell that you don't know how to work the thermostat in a hotel room, right? Oh right, right. I literally almost took it apart. I was I was so instead of addressing instead of doing anything, I literally just thought about trying to fix it myself. You know what I just noticed is that there are two pictures in here, they're exact same building. That oh. is lazy artwork. Are they different angles? I see one of them no. one of them I can see. They're the same yeah, photo. It's is, the same oh. photo. There's a different wall. It's uh the room is slightly trashed. You don't need more of the... Oh, I can see that. Yeah, you need you some room service or something uh, at some just, point. Uh, and br- get bring that it up t- a notch. Yeah. <laughs> How about I keep should... it together because it's just a 150-square-foot room? How about that? Your, your, your comforter is all askew anyway. Why don't you just drape it over yourself during our chat? Then you'll be warmer. Oh, right, right. No, no, I'm okay in this. Okay. I'm okay all in right. my sweatshirt with hat. Yes. Yeah. Now, you, you're you on the road, I guess. I'm guessing. Yeah. How's that? How's that going? It's great. Uh, it's so funny because I went on the road hardcore back uh, end of April, right? Right after I got vaccinated and uh, and I was I was good to go. I was like, I needed to record a new album and a new special and all this stuff. So I needed like 10 weeks. I needed at least eight 
eight shows, eight, 10 shows to really get my chops back in front of a live audience. Sure. And so I did that and then I recorded it. And then for some reason, and that was in July. And then for some reason, here we are, December, I'm still on the road, even though for the 16 months of lockdown, when I was home, I loved it. <laughs> I had, I have not been home for 16 months in a row ever in my in my entire adult life i don't think yeah so well maybe those those first couple of years when i couldn't get road work doing stand-up and i was in college but i have to swear to god i have like i would like to live in one place like people do it is it is i like it too and i've I've been working uh my family and i moved from ontario and canada to edmonton alberta uh, okay. At, at the end of 2019, so beginning, of, we were here, and I started a new job January 2020. I was on a bus around 6:37 a.m. It's like minus 45 degrees Celsius. They had like the coldest snap in the history of this province. Uh, wow. As soon as I arrived, and it was like for two weeks, it was just brutally cold. And then the pandemic happened like two months later, and I've been working from home ever since. It's great. I don't have yeah. to go anywhere. I don't have to make right. l- a lunch. I can go have a hot lunch. I, I love yep. it. So this is the that that this has been the most Canadian moment that I've heard in my life. I got on a bus; it was forty five below, and now I can have hot lunch. And so it feels solid, man. I just mean it's nice that we. It's weird we got a little taste of the way life could be. Like you're saying it too, because in your your beautiful and funny and lovely new special uh, staycation, my wife and I, by the way. Uh, love it. We enjoy it very much. And so okay. uh, we were really getting into it. And, you know, you talk about that. You talk about doing a Zoom stand-up and how it's, right. not, it's not that much different from an off night in whatever city, you know. But, uh, but right. I, I, thought, right. I thought that was that was funny. But did you enjoy – were there aspects of that part of it that you actually liked, like the virtual uh, stand-up? Yeah. You know what? There's There's a personalness to it. Where and I mentioned how everybody has their name tags, you know everybody's name is on the thing, and you can see sort of where they live and how they live and what they look like, and and you know three hundred shows, hun- you know dozens of shows into the hundreds of shows that I did, the same people came. Yeah. And literally, I would get emails going, that joke is tightening right up. Oh. Nice work, <laughs> which is hilarious. And because <laughs> you're like, well, I wasn't actually looking for that much feedback, but okay. Yeah. And it was always very positive and very, very supportive. And there were people in rural Canada, in rural United States, in other countries that I would never have gotten to perform for, or they would never have gotten to see me do stand up. In, but got to because of Zoom and because of online comedy shows yeah. where you just sort of sit in your house for an hour, hour and a half. And if your camera's on and you're just watching and you're like, I'm going to go get a soda or a beer or water. And uh, and some people would not have their cameras or their mics on. And, you you know, they'd be like, oh, I'm doing laundry. I'm doing the dishes. <laughs> and you're like, OK, all right. Do whatever, you know, as long as there were like, as long as there were like 15 to 20 people who had their cameras and, and mics on, because yeah. then I could hear some laughter and I could get some feedback. Uh, I will say that Zoom shows have definitely, I do this now in real life too. There's a lot more thumbs up. There's a lot more like acting things out in real life because uh, the square <laughs> just needs more. Because oftentimes on on internet stuff you're muted. Yeah, right. But you wish to be supportive. Yeah. 
So there's a lot more overt nodding. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I kind of like the shows. I'm, I genuinely miss them, but I have actually hit the ground running here. Yeah. And there's been no time. So, so. you you say you got feedback uh, after to, about your jokes and the material tightening up. Uh, my wife, I was just telling her, you know, you and I were going to talk and she's like, thinking of your zoom bit and she's like did, did she get notes like were people commenting like were people heckling oh yeah yeah oh you mean in the chat in the chat stuff? Yeah, yeah or live action well yes there was some live feedback occasionally i think i did get i did a show there's there there's a couple of places that are still doing it right still doing online shows like rush ticks and nowhere comedy club nowhere comedy club is just an online comedy club oh. and there was one of the one of the guys actually tagged a joke. Oh, he tagged my closing bit. And I was like, dude, can I use that? And he was like, oh, my gosh, please. And so there were some people who, who came up with sort of tags or angles. They were like, well, what did your brother think of that or whatever? Right. That would lead you in another direction because that's all stand up is, yeah, yeah. right, is trying to tell the story with punchlines and you're always looking for a new angle on the story so that the, the bit can be a little more elastic or longer or something like that. Right. So, so you benefited vocationally in many ways from being at home during this lockdown. Many ways. Okay. Yes, okay. I, I truly did. And, and we didn't have any zoom bombers. We did one time, uh, Bamford accidentally, uh, posted the link <laughs> on her Twitter feed. Uh, so, because usually I just, I, I made people pay me, you know, yeah. and it wasn't a lot of money. It was $5. I was like, $5, it's going to be me doing 20 or 30 minutes, and then I'm going to pick like four or five of my close friends who do stand-up. They'll all do tens. Oh. So it'll be an hour and a half of stand-up, wow. $5, and it totally cut out any sort of Zoom bombing or trolls because uh, nobody's paying $5 to go heckle somebody. Yeah. As opposed to in real life, where people will pay like a hundred dollars, they'll pay twenty bucks to get in, forty bucks on drinks, and then just shout things from the audience. Right, and you're like, "This was expensive for you to get kicked out." Uh, so, <laughs> well, that might be a motivation. I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to spoil the show. I'm going to be I'm the center say, of attention. Right, that, that, right, that yeah. does seem like some sort of evil plot of, yes. of bad guys. Yeah, yeah. That's now, dumb. I don't know if you, you, you'd have no memory of this whatsoever, of course, but uh, the first time I saw you perform, uh, and I think actually, to be honest, the, lo the only time in person that I've seen you perform okay. was uh, in Toronto, opening uh, for Maria um, yeah. at the uh, Winter Garden uh, Theater. I've done it a couple of times. Right now, I'm opening for Maria in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina is, I like North Carolina. I know North Carolina has some some issues, but I always talk about how when I was there, uh, in the in the fall, I felt like the air was sweet uh, compared oh. to other places in America. Does that make sense? Am I am I nuts? You might be, but uh, what ha what's <laughs> happening is <laughs> it might be that sort of beautiful autumnal kind of, you know. I mean, if it were Vermont, I would say maybe there's maple syrup, but I don't yeah. know. It had a thickness. It had a pleasant thickness that I wasn't expecting, yeah. and it just, I could taste it. You know, you can sometimes you're in a place and you can kind of, not in a bad way, you can taste the sweet air. That's what right. I was. I'm sometimes not trying you to can taste I'm, the I'm, gross air. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to write a poem right now, but I just, that's what I, <laughs> felt, 
that's what I remembered. I just remember feeling, oh, I'm in the midst of something. Anyway, I hope you're having. I have relatives down there as well. I should maybe it's, tell them to. It's go very see your beautiful. Show. Yes, two, yeah. two tonight, two tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, but the uh, it is very beautiful because the the autumn, the leaves have not yet fallen off the trees. So right. even though it yeah. is early December, and so it is still gorgeous. And you I should just savor that, by the way, because we we walk our kids to school. The whole mm-hmm. place here is ice. Like you can't walk oh. in. There's just ice everywhere. And wow. when we cross the street, my running joke has been, you know that scene in The Dark Knight Rises where they, it's like death or exile where they have to walk yeah. out on the ice? That's what it's like. It's just totally like that. We're just like, are we going to make it across? And my kids are like, this is great. This is fun. But anyway, oh. yeah. And savor the the nice, sweet weather down there. Sure. I, <laughs> I don't have to tell I you will. this. Where are you from again? You're from a, a cold I place. live in Los Angeles. I'm from Wisconsin. Right. So, Wisconsin is cold, right? Wisconsin is very cold. And I'm the week before the weekend before Christmas, I'm and this is this is I've actually I learned before lockdown, I was good at just traveling with yeah. my husband to a destination place where it would be nice. We would have a nice time. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, I'm back to, well, if we're going to go there, let's see if there's some stand up. I can make some money uh, and cut into the actual hanging out with my family. So uh, we are going to go <laughs> December 17th and 18th, where I will have no less than two shows a night right. and uh, at the Laughing Tab in Milwaukee. And then I'll see my family during the day and my friends. You know, I'll try to pack as many. And we're only there. For two days, you know, we've and all so, we've all just endured this lockdown and separation from each other. You're already coming up with strategic Christmas gathering. That's amazing. I, <laughs> right? How can I just spend just the shortest amount? <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I, I did do Christmas Day. Luckily, no one does stand up on Christmas Day. Right? Maybe there's some sort of you know Jewish Chinese restaurant kind of moment where I could pick up a set, but because we haven't seen family. So I got booked in Arkansas last weekend. I was in Lowell, Arkansas. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of my in-laws live in outside of Hot Springs, which is about four hours, maybe three hours from, from Lowell. And so they drove up, came to the shows, and then we drove back down to, to outside of Hot Springs, where we hung out for like four days in the woods. They don't have Wi-Fi. They don't have my AT and T doesn't work in right. the national forest. Right. Verizon does, and so are um, you just doing plugs yeah. now? You're just plugging the big yeah. company. Okay, just making now, sure. Now I'm just yeah. It's uh, sponsorship <laughs> is everything. Uh, corporate sponsorship is the route to true happiness. It's the plot of Blue Crush. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's exactly right. Okay, all right. So you're in the forest. And you're away from everything. I'm in the forest. Anyway, so I'm yeah. visiting family in Arkansas. I'm visiting family in Milwaukee. And then San Francisco, Christmas Day. I'm visiting family Christmas Day. Oh, in-laws. So, oh, in-laws. Yeah. That's nice. Okay, so, no, that's good. I, I appreciate that. Now, I, I was starting a thread there, and, of course, I lost it. Oh, and yeah. I've, I have digressed completely. No, no, no. I'm so sorry. It was my yeah. fault. I got into North Carolina in the sweet air, and I was, I was brought back to the year... <laughs> The year 2000 in the fall when I was there road managing a band and we were just like, ah, this is much nicer than being in the van, you know? Anyway, my <laughs> my point was uh, I saw you uh, perform with Maria Bamford and what struck me about our interaction today as I was thinking about it, it occurred to me this morning, I wrote a review of that show and as I recall, you quote tweeted it and you said, oh my God, and I'm paraphrasing here, I didn't look this up. You said, oh, my God, someone wrote a review without ruining a single joke. 
And I thought, you know, and, and I, now I remember who you are because that's uh, you're a freaking unicorn, man. That's what yeah. you said. I think that's what you tweeted. That's almost exactly yeah. what you wrote. And so I, oh, well, I, first of all, I'm not just saying this to give myself a little pat on the back, maybe a little bit, just like a little pat on the back. But I was just like, I, I, it strikes me that when you engage with, you were talking about the Zoom notes and, and people talking to you yeah. about your jokes. So you get, you, you're a very seasoned comedian. So you, you've dealt with all sorts of reception to your work. What was it about what I did that day that was unique? What, why was I a unicorn? What are other people doing? Well, other people are literally verbatim writing down the punchlines to jokes and one of the and to quote Brian Regan key thing about stand up is the element of surprise yeah, yeah. so the <laughs> the fact that you would take that surprise and it's not that people don't want to hear jokes you know comics their albums over and over again because people are re-listening to comedy more than ever before yeah but i will say that if you've written it in an article the, the delivery's gone, and sometimes they'll just write the punchline and not even the setup. Yeah. Or, worst case scenario, they'll get it wrong. Yeah. Right? They'll misquote it, and you're like, what just... <sighs> Why would you? Why would you ruin? <laughs> I've the worked joke? on this bit for years. I've got it, right. and, and you're in right. one fell swoop. You've ruined the whole I thing. Just spent eighteen months to three years trying to get this joke right, yeah. and you are like, "No, I, I, uh, I think she's talking about McDonald's." And you're like, mm, "Arby's, Arby's." <laughs> well, Interesting. Okay. I will say that was born of experience, though. I've made those mistakes too, where you're in the moment and you're on a deadline and you're just trying to capture what was said. And so that was born of me realizing at the time, like you can't, that, I agree. I realized it too. Like if I read an article about a comedian and they tell a joke, it's it feels more done than listening to the special over and over again. It's just a weird psychological thing that I can't figure out. But I, all I'll say is I appreciated that you noticed it and I, I, right. I, I appreciated that you valued it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. It sounds like it was yeah. born of bad experiences. Right, it was, but it's also, it's... You know, I mean, when we do, and I don't do it all the time either, but when when you notice that something is done right, I mean, that's why... <laughs> that's why you tip people. No, that's nice. That's why, <laughs> right? That's why you mention it to your children. Hey, you didn't screw that up. Good for you. Congratulations. And or you did it right and above and beyond, in comparison, for sure. Well, yeah. that was on behalf of Exclaim Magazine, and I was installed as their first ever uh, comedy editor and when I was approaching some fellow music writers there to contribute a few of them said I can't write about comedy and I thought that was interesting because these same people had written a thousand record reviews and a thousand interviewed a thousand people but they were like I can't I just can't figure out how to do it does that resonate with you like I mean we're kind of getting out how to do it well and uh, maybe or you know without ruining things I think that that makes it you know, it kind of, it feels like it makes so much sense. Why? Because people don't review stand-up comedy albums. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the, like, online magazines does, but it might be Vulture, but uh, the... There's a few. There's still a few But it is it, yeah. difficult. Yeah. Like, when you review a music album, let me ask you this, sure. is when you review a music album, how do you do it? You just, I mean, I would imagine you would just listen to it and go, I like that. That and then, <laughs> well, uh, having done it for twenty odd years now, I think you listen to it. Obviously, that you're absolutely right. Step number one: listen. 
you listen to the record, <laughs> and then I, uh, when I'm preparing for interviews, as you may know, I interview, or maybe you don't, but I interview musicians primarily for this particular show we're doing right now. But I also talk to comedians and whoever, authors, all sorts of things. But yeah, my na- my main thing is I process uh, recent work and, and if, if I can, past work. But then I always ask for lyric sheets, okay. which is interesting. And they're like, oh, initially, it's the publicists I work with are used to it now and they send them to me in advance. But I think they're like, lyric sheet? I was like, yeah, I'd like to know what they're saying if I can't. I mean, I can kind of make it up, but I just like to read it. I think it makes a difference. Well, you know, that's interesting because there very, very much is not such a thing. Like I just got, I have all my albums transcribed. Oh, you do? Just because when, I, when I'm doing a new album, I like to know <laughs> that I'm not repeating too many. Like I might, uh, I if you were to listen to all five of my albums and I can only recommend it, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, and, but in the correct order, please yes. yeah. do not. Some guy told me that he listened to my albums backwards and heard me getting worse at stand up. <laughs> and I was like, Hey man, uh, you didn't need to tell me that, but That's I'm mean. glad yeah. I've gotten better. Yeah. So I, I do the transcripts to like, I will sometimes repeat some sort of setups and maybe a line here and there just to sort of keep the through line. Like you can actually, it's a bit of a, my albums are a bit of a flip book of my family. Right. So because they have the same characters in them, right? I'm essentially there's uh, I'm telling jokes about my dad in the first album. I'm telling jokes about my boyfriend in the third album. I'm telling jokes about my husband and my dad in the current album. I'm telling stories about my mother and my stepmother, who have both passed away, in each of you know, I mean, like literally, you're like, oh, look what happened. So you can, there is an arc to it if you wanted it, but there is, there aren't lyrics, uh, lyric sheets. There's not a transcription. That's fair. Yeah. I think I am just trying to delve deeper into what people are saying. Uh, you know, to me, when people communicate a joke or a song lyric, I mean, obviously, there's some performative aspects to both. But to me, like, I will quote a song lyric if it strikes me as being poignant or particularly, you know, whatever, exemplary of something that I I found in the record. Stand-up is more difficult, as we've established, right? Because you don't really want to quote the joke. You want to put forth, and what I think I did, by the way, I will say I did reread. I thought of this this morning that I reviewed your show with Maria, and I did think, you know what, what did I say? I remembered that that Jackie liked it. What did I even write? And then I, I skimmed it. And what I really put forth, I think, was stuff that happened, not stuff that was said per se, but I alluded to stuff that was said. And I was really trying to capture a feeling mm-hmm. and an attitude that was present in the room. And I feel like when you ask me, like, how do you write a record review, a, a music record review? I think that's what we're doing. We're going with our instinctual impulse, our gut. But you're also like, this is how this made me feel. And I'm going to articulate that. So there, I think there's a bit of an art to it, but I right because I think that there's a way that that to sell the album. Because if you're writing how you viscerally reacted to the music, or even to the jokes, or to whatever you're reviewing, the book, the people reading that review, like I would, I'm interested in that reaction. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Maybe and if I, I listen to that album, I will also feel these things. Who knows? Well, with stand-up, though, it's fascinating because I would get to review uh, JFL and in, in uh, JFL 42 primarily when I was living in Ontario, which you I think that show was part of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Think, so uh, Probably, yeah. So just so people don't know, uh, who don't know, rather, 
There's the Just for Last Festival in Montreal, which is normally, if there's not a pandemic, an annual gathering of stand-up <laughs> comedians from around the world. And then there's a spin. There's spin-off versions across Canada now, and one of them is in Toronto, and it's called JFL 42 because there's 42 acts. I think I don't even know. I assume that's what the 42 means. It must be something. Anyway, my point uh, it's is got to mean something. Yeah. <laughs> my my point is this. My editor, I would I would uh, sometimes I'd attend shows with my my boss. But sometimes I wouldn't, and I. But I would go to, after the show. I would go in my car, and I would write the review on my phone, and I would submit it. And he would be like, "How are you writing this so fast?" And I'm like, "I don't know. It happened. I've got it. Right. I feel, I've got. I processed <laughs> it. It happened. It's right. It's done. You've got to run this tomorrow. I've, I've got it for you." And and then I started to apply a similar thing to stand up records, which he'd be like, "Hey, hey, where's that record review by the whoever?" And I'm like, "Oh, right." So then I would listen to it, and I applied the same logic. Oh, it's just a stand-up show. I mean, not just. I'm not disparaging anyone. No, no. (laughs) With music records, I think we're meant to spend a month. We get them. I get records from labels six months in advance. That's an exaggeration, but two, three months in advance. They want Mm -hmm. you to sit with it and process it and think about it. What does that tell you about me, maybe, Jackie, that a a comedian is more instantaneous? I have the feeling. I've laughed at the joke. It's visceral. Right. Does that make sense that I would be that quick to to figure out a a stand-up special uh, compared to a record, like a music album? I don't know. I I would – I like the idea of you listening to it for a month and then writing the review, but that's just ego, right? I would love, I would love someone to want to listen to it a lot and then go the nuanced work. She was talking about that dog joke and uh, you're just like, (laughs) it's very, that is true. No, but that's true. I guess what I'm maybe getting at is maybe a a comedian's joke uh, because we, it's more immediate. I think it is just more immediate than maybe a song and it, it, it must trigger something in our brains a bit differently, or maybe it's just... I, as someone who consumes both things, I right. I'm not listening to a song and being right, right away being like, oh, oh, and, you know, feeling things. Or I, I, would, I would posit that it's probably... That it can happen and has happened to you, where you've listened to a song and it's it's been some sort of huge reaction yes. where you're like, what is this song? And uh, But on the whole, if you listen to it several times you can actually hear what to value in it whereas in stand-up comedy you speak english it's in english you're like am i laughing and uh you know and if you were to listen to it several times you might hear tags or other bits to parts of it but for the most part you could just go well that was a really fun hour yeah yeah you know that was i got all those jokes there was, or I didn't get all those jokes, but I got most, What you know, whatever reaction is, it is more instantaneous for sure. Yeah, it's visceral, uh, so to speak. And, and it's, it's, yeah. but I feel like this stuff's been twisted a little bit. My wife was remarking today that well, one of the things she liked about uh, Staycation in particular was that uh, you, she thought what you were doing, uh, making observational uh, humor, making uh, jokes rather about your family and your life. That's harder than than cursing or being derogatory or saying something kind of you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, like just different kinds of stand up. She thought it was harder. Like my sort of stand up might feels like it's a little more difficult than other kinds of stand up. I think she was saying, yeah, I think like some comedians, lots of comedians will uh, say something harsh uh, for the shock value, and the, you get the you 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 have to recognize that they're joking, so that the shock 
kind of quickly dissipates into, oh, right, we're at a comedy show, or this is a comedian. <laughs> but we've seen, like, you talk about some of your older com- male comedian friends on your new special, and I think we've seen some people kind of try to, not weaponize this, but try to be like, funny is funny. That's it. It doesn't matter what you're, like, why are we arguing about uh, wokeness or political correctness or what have you? Like, they've kind of twisted these things, which I think the co- the, uh, the underlying thing for all those things is decency, right? I think, like, just being decent. Right. But they twist it all to be like, why are we ostracizing this comedian? If people were laughing, it's funny. What do you think of that? Except when you think about when you're a child, right, and somebody gives you a wedgie. Or somebody throws you in a locker and you're laughing, right? Yeah. You're laughing now and, and you're just like, and somebody, you know, plays keep away with your stuff or somebody, you know, is just like, hey, fatso, don't sit on me, I'll die. Right. Or, you know, whatever it is that is kind of funny because it's shocking and mean and weird, there isn't an adult in the room who goes, nah, that's just... That's hilarious. You know, uh, you usually say, hey, leave Timmy alone. Yeah. yeah. You know, don't be such a dick. Yeah. And, um, you know, figure out a way to interact with humanity in a better way yeah. than shoving them in a locker or beating the hell out of them because uh, for some reason they're weird, you know, to you. And so stand-up comedy that just sort of plays on that. It's, I don't think it's any easier, quite honestly. I think all stand-up comedy is quite difficult. Yes. Uh, with, and you have to hone those jokes and you have to figure out how to say those things. Even if you're trying to be an asshole, even if you're trying to be a jackass, you have to work at it. Mm. So uh, in my case, I don't want to be a jackass. No, there's, I, nothing, uh, there's nothing kind of bullying or alienating about you, I don't think. My no, I'm not always really very I'm not always nice. Yeah. I'm not always an angel. I have no you know, there's no <laughs> I can be a jerk, but in the job, right? For me, my purpose is not to, you know, make fun of the thing that I wouldn't want anyone to make fun of me about. Right. There's no joy in that for me. For yeah. me. So I think I think the job itself is hard, whether you're doing it just to be a dick because you love to be a button pusher. I'm a button pusher. That's what I'm like. Are you? Great. You're not invited to the house. Because uh, <laughs> so, I don't want to hang out with you. Our doorbell yeah. is a button you won't be pushing is basically what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Please. It's, uh, yeah. Your father, uh, as in your, in your uh, recounting of... Uh, uh, you know, encounters with your father, I should say, or just things he said. Your father seems very funny. Do you get, and I know, I, I understand you come from a rather large family, right? You have a number of siblings, yeah. is that right? Yeah, five, five siblings. There's five siblings. Was your, Speaking uh, the, of button pushers, yeah. yes. <laughs> was your, I, I gather your father was funny. Was he a, an influence on your comedic sensibility? Is he rather? Yeah, it's, uh, the, thing, the thing about my dad is that he can be very funny, what I say about his contribution to my stand-up is his timing. Like, I get my timing, I get my sense of delivery in the pitch from him. The other things that I get from him are invaluable for my career. But stand-up-wise, I it's mostly just the timing. Occasionally something funny. But um, <laughs> mostly my stepmother was very, very funny. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah. The way I process, because my father is a bit of a button pusher. 
Not even a bit. Uh, my father is a button pusher. Yeah. And yeah. so he's actually mellowed a little bit as he, I think, is late 70s. He sort of came in touch with his own sort of mortality. Yeah. And he's become sort of a softer, more gentler dude. But he is still, to some extent, a button pusher. And many of my brothers are button pushers. And so when I hang out with male comics and they're button pushers, I was like, I got this. I've already... I don't need any more of this. Yeah. You're doing great. Keep, move along. <laughs> Nothing to see here. <laughs> I can't recall. Are you the youngest of your siblings? I am the youngest, okay. yes. And are the, are the rest uh, of them in any kind of creative realm, uh, the rest of your siblings? It's all some sort of sales. My oldest brother sells the Jesus. And it's not a Jesus I'm I'm a fan of. Oh, uh, no. But uh, hmm. he, he, loves, he loves his particular Jesus. But his Jesus seems to be a little angry, kind of mean. Oh. And, uh, and then my second oldest brother sells printing. Uh, my third oldest brother is a, uh, like a commodities broker kind of stock guy. Huh. Buy, buys and sells stocks. Uh, and then my youngest of my brothers is an econ professor and he is an investor and buys and sells businesses and stuff like that and he also teaches economics and then uh, my sister is a financial advisor and so she also stocks and well, okay and your father is a a salesman aluminum siding yeah, yeah. salesman and so, he sold everything mausoleum crypts toupees okay. so let me let me ask you this what does it mean that your whole family spends has spent their lives trying to convince people of other things. Uh, that that my father has also said that, much like my oldest brother sells Jesus, I sell jokes. Yeah, you know, that's He's what like, I mean. We're all in, your your yeah. whole family seems to have gotten into this business of I have a point of view about something, whether it's siding or f- finance or the evil Jesus, yeah. as you described, or <laughs> jokes. I, need to, I yeah. need to not only just have that, I need to sway people to my opinion and my perspective on these things that's fascinating oh, on some level. There's an arrogance. There is certainly an arrogance. Huh. When I was in third grade, I came home from school, and I was sitting at dinner, and I said, the teacher told me that I was arrogant today. And I was eight. And my dad said one of his my favorite funny lines. He goes, people are always calling this family arrogant. They're just mad because we're always right. <laughs> Which is a very funny joke if you know what arrogant means. Yeah, but no. all I heard was we're always right. We're always right. Do you feel like you're always Which, right? You, you don't feel like you're always right. Uh, no, I uh, I definitely uh, deal with... Uh, you know what I am? I'm arrogant, Fish. You are arrogant. Uh, and okay. so I, I'm very, very arrogant. And so what I have to do is I have to make sure to be aware of that. <laughs> When I am, I once, my friend Karen Rontowski and I were on a walk one time, and I, I don't know why I said it, but I said, you know, I'm not judgmental. She couldn't stop laughing for about 40 seconds. And she was like, Jackie, you're one of the most judgmental people I've ever met. I, I have it life. too. I have it too. I'm the same, and I feel badly. I see it in my kids now a little bit. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't be judgmental. Like, stop <sighs> it. Stop being. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> I know. You can't. You're not even. Yeah. It's weird. People see things in you that you're not aware of. And even when they point them out, right. it's hard to, you know, accept it, accept it, and overcome it. overcome the behavior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and it's a learned skill to over overcome any sort of bad habits yeah. where you're just like it's just where, like I, I literally I was raised to make the sale, and and it was there was a certain I was a a bit of a pathological liar for a long time. Oh. Not like a weird liar. I had a friend once who 
was a weird liar. Like she was late to work and she told her work that she had gotten married. What, that morning? Like just before work? Yeah. Like over the weekend. The reason she didn't make it in on Monday is because her and her boyfriend, which she did not have at the time, (laughs) had gone to Vegas to get married and nobody believed her. She was... So that's... There's a pathology there that I was not that bad. I was literally... I... I would lie to make the sale, right? Like right. I, during college, I sold t-shirts and sweatshirts and stuff in front of the University of Wisconsin-Madison yeah. uh, football games. And they were all seconds and irregulars, these these t-shirts and sweatshirts. So the tag was cut and they were very cheap. The t-shirts were $5. The sweatshirts were $11. And the people would say, why are the tags cut? And I would always be like, I don't know. <laughs> And I knew. I knew why. It was the same reason they were only $5. Is that a white lie? Uh, so, That's not a white lie. That's beyond a white lie, I think. What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I've never... Uh, I haven't put my lies into columns. Okay. Because uh, I currently, I... So for the last... 20 odd years I haven't stolen anything I haven't <laughs> lied to anyone I uh and my life is a lot simpler let me just say that I appreciate your Cause... your frankness during this deposition that's good uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it's but oh the point of the whole thing right I don't know why I thought father I better I'm tell saying, this guy but... that I've never lied in 20 years that's uh <laughs> that's what this meeting's but about the reason I but the reason I I, I said it is because now it's muscle memory right right right. to the uh, where the point of like where i'm hoping one day that sort of lack of judgment that arrogance that sort of you know jackassery that i sometimes will fall into it's less than it was but it still is there occasionally well it's sort of vaguely part of your job i mean to, to not only tell a story but like you know a joke is Often a tall tale. It's not real necessarily, but it is oh, real, you know? So I feel it is. And you know, yeah. an Elliot Cation line is never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, exactly exactly. So <laughs> and that's about citing. So that's uh that's that's quite a <laughs> no, that's, yeah. quite an industry uh-huh. uh, there apparently. Um just curious, because I don't this is the first time we've ever spoken. How did you youngest child of six how did you enter the realm of comedy? Uh, I mean, obviously, surrounded by button pushers, you have to develop kind of a, probably a quick wit, thick skin, these sorts of things. Acid tongue. Oh man, I came up with all of them. Sure. So, what got you? <laughs> what got you into comedy? And I mean, I don't even mean as a as as you as a comedian, but what what was it in the air or in the culture that prompted you? Well, I always wanted from when I was a kid. I wanted to do. I wanted to do theater. And then I wanted to be a lawyer, which is essentially doing theater. <laughs> and then I wanted to be a forest ranger, which is the antithesis of all of that, where I wanted to be alone in a, in a fire tower right. in the woods. Sure. Who doesn't? With a dog. Who doesn't want that? Yeah. I think we all want that. <laughs> a little solo time with you and your dog walking on the, the highways and byways yeah. of, the, of the dirt roads. Um, but I – so I wanted to do theater. I wanted to write novels. I wanted to perform – I never, I didn't know what stand-up was when I was a kid because we always listened to motivational speakers and sales guys oh. and music. Uh, but my dad never listened to, I mean, he was like, no. Uh, so when I went to college, I saw some stand-up and they had an open mic. And I drunkenly heckled the comic and I was told to shut up in such forceful terms that the manager actually said to me, open mic is on Sunday. You seriously have to shut the fuck up. 
And oh, uh, wow. that verbatim. Yeah. And uh, so three weeks later, I went to open mic. And uh, and it literally, stand-up, like I, I did some acting a little bit in high school. I did a lot of writing. And stand-up, I, I love to write and I love to act, but it stand-up is like what I imagine heroin to be like, mm-hmm. where I started doing it and I was like, I need to do this. And the other comics and the people who own the club and the people who worked at the club were terrible people. Yes. They were not nice. They were mean. They were gross. And I didn't care. I genuinely, it literally felt like drug addiction where mm. you're just like, I don't care who I have to hang out with to do this. Mm. Uh, I'm doing this. And so that is how I fell into stand-up comedy. Wow. So it didn't, the, you knew that the, we've kind of learned that <sighs> tears of a clown, if you will, there's lots of like darkness <laughs> in comedy. And we've, uh, I think those of us who have followed, I've been following comedy since as long as I can remember, since I first saw I got to my parents uh, immigrated from India and my mom's uh, brothers and sisters lived about an hour away just outside of Toronto. We lived in a, 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 a town called Cambridge, about an hour and a half away, actually. Anyway, we would go there often. And because my parents would lose track of time, we would leave so late that I ended up watching Saturday Night Live like okay. a, like a little kid. Like my cousins would be older and they'd be watching it. And then I'd be like, what is this? And I could sense something was was wrong with me watching this at that age <laughs> right what is, too soon too, too soon. soon maybe and but i got addicted to it and then i got into carson and letterman and all the whole i've got my letterman mug here actually i still have my oh, i still have and i got my conan and all those guys like i like stand up and and I, and anyway but i as you delve more into the personalities you realize they're all damaged folks uh or not all but, of them but i i have a question sure People always say that. Who in life isn't damaged? Well, I think okay. I mean, like if you if you talk to an insurance adjuster, and you're like, oh man, everybody who does insurance adjusters, well, okay, they're all damaged. So the juxtaposition, I will I, I will ante up here, raise you. I don't play poker. I'm using the wrong terminology, but I'll say this to you: <laughs> the thing that is jarring about it is you hear like a folk singer songwriter singing a sad song, and then you hear that they're sad, and you're like, that makes sense. I think what, okay. and you hear the insurance salesman uh, is sad because he spends, uh, they spend their days selling insurance. Well, that makes sense. The juxtaposition is why would these funny, hilarious people uh, be so sad? And and I don't know that I'm not, this or is. Or troubled at all. Or troubled yeah. at all. It's a blanket statement, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think what I've learned, and I we've all learned it now because of social media, we are needier than we think. And we're more insecure mm-hmm. than we think. And so when we're like, I'm going to post a tweet. Oh, it only got six likes. These are all real world examples for me, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I wish it had done better. But then what does that say about me? And why doesn't it resonate? Anyway, we're just in this zone. Like as we're speaking in the year at the end of 2021, a lot of metrics and analytics in our face about our likability and our thoughts and ideas and I think comedians... Yeah, the term likability alone, that, that's a stick to beat yourself up with in social media. Well, but I feel like comedians yeah. have been the pioneers of this sort of expression. I am going to get in front of you with my idea, and we're going to try it out together. I'm going to present it to you, yep. and we're all going to react to it. In, in a, and I think that's a lot of pressure. So all I'm getting at mm-hmm. is I empathize with comedians. I know why they're upset, uh, but it's... Right. Yeah. But my favorite, I mean, one of the things that is 
Because I, I actually, I think you're right. It is the juxtaposition that yeah. makes everybody think, why? Why would you be upset? You, I love you. You should be, you should think and know of yourself as lovable. You're super funny. You get a lot of accolades. And, mm. and yet you have this other darker side. And I think that's real. But it, it, it lends itself to the humanity of stand-up comics, totally. obviously, yeah. that everybody's just a person. Yeah. In the end, I would say this. My least favorite heroes of people writers comics and those uh, musicians are the ones who died at like 26 yes. 28 yeah. of her- of and everyone's like they were a genius man you know Hemingway shot himself or whatever and you're just like you know George Carlin died in his bed yeah of old age yeah. that's your guy yeah didn't Richard Pryor die of old of illness well, multi- multiple, uh, at a very multiple sclerosis yeah that's right yeah yeah but he lived yeah, but he he survived a lot i mean <laughs> he survived yeah he, had, he sobered up yeah. did all of his things yeah. and uh those are your examples yes those are those those should be your heroes you mitch hedberg that guy it still makes me sad yeah. that that guy couldn't get it you know that that guy had to die when he was 33 years sad old and angry right like it's uh it's yeah. a combo and um yeah i i'm with you i agree and I don't even know why I yeah. brought it up, but I. <laughs> oh no no no! I just but you know but there's always there's always this. Well, Janis Joplin was 26, 28 years old, and I was like, did you see her though? She was the oldest looking twenty eight I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, on that Dick Cavett that she was on. So we um, we do tend to revere youth uh, above wisdom, and that's happening. I'm saying this as an older person now, because I have had debates with friends about how. Uh, a friend once told me recently that uh, his son called Wu Tang Clan "old man rap," and I got my—I think it was meant to antagonize me because he knows <laughs> I'm a Wu Tang Clan fan. But I was like, "But what is?" I listened. I try to listen to the newer stuff. I'm not okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to go down this road. But I, I, I will right. quickly say that sometimes I feel like just because it's young and new doesn't mean it's necessarily better than something that happened 15 years ago. And I feel like that's a trap we get into as well. This is a real tangent, by the way, but I feel like... It's huge weed off. But I'll tell you, my fella, Andy Ashcraft, has a... He's like, why has there been no new musical styles created since hip-hop? Yes. And it's just like, you guys could say that it's all well and good, but you're still doing what KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane were doing yeah. in the 80s yeah. and those guys of the 70s even before them whose names I'm spacing but um yeah innovation yeah, yeah but innovation is yeah, so, it's hard it's hard to innovate and we're surrounded by a lot of pressure to innovate everything's new all the time you know right and all the stuff that was old is also still available yes. so it's hard to create something on top of stuff that has already worked so much yeah. so it's not easy i don't think being an 18 year old 25 year old musician trying yeah. to create something new which it's it's interesting about stand up is that you know i i talked to Lori Kilmartin about this on a regular basis is the fact that there are albums there are jokes that we all told in the 90s there are stories we told in the 90s that use language and have opinions that are no longer even acceptable. You know, mm-hmm. they're just like we realized sort of it's not cool. <laughs> so yeah. so those albums are out there and people are if they, people want to go back in time and look up my, you know, there's just a very dumb joke I do about the country of Liberia and slavery that's genuinely dumb. And it isn't. It wasn't a good enough joke to get on the album, which is why it's a bonus track. Oh, I see. And I, for some reason, thought I was so clever 
that I wanted it on the album anyway. And it's it's my only regret, quite honestly, on right. five albums. I'm right. like, the joke is unfortunate. And uh, <laughs> but there are other people who have worse albums in the ba- in the in the old timey days, where I think comedy does grow because it reflects how cult- the culture has grown, and because of social media and the internet and stuff. We're all getting all of this information about what kind of jokes you should be telling, you you could be telling, you could avoid telling, you know, all of these things. And, you know, John Mulaney has that joke about the N-word. Yeah. And I think the word fag, which is pejorative. Yeah. But the thing is, is notice, and the joke is about how, well, you say the one word, you say the N-word. Yeah. You don't even say that word. Right. And so pejorative, Yes. But not to the extent of of, of that word, the, yes, the N word. Right, so. they're extremes. Yeah. Well, it's telling that we're talking a little bit about t- technology and innovation. Like we're on a podcast right now. You have, I can't keep track. Do you have two going at the moment? I do. When Lori asked me if I wanted to do a podcast, I was like, you know, I have a I have a podcast. Interesting. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> podcasting has been an interesting frontier, and I think uh, tellingly, it's it was uh, initially and probably still is really driven by comedy and comedians. Speaking frankly, um, do you think that's still the case? Uh, I know it's we're many yeah, years into well, it. You've been doing one for what fifteen years or something now? Uh, or something sixteen. Like that? Yeah, it's a sixteenth year. So yeah. for the congratulations, door that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, yeah it's it's still very fun. And the rest of my life has gotten so busy that I am having a hard time recording them. They're still coming out every week, but sometimes, uh, you know, I'd like to try to get them out on midnight on Tuesday. Sometimes it's midday on Tuesday. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. But whatever. But like hell has frozen over and my husband has a podcast. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, he is a game designer, makes video games and board yes. games for a living, and also teaches game design at a tech college, tech university oh, okay. in LA. And his buddy at this tech college, at this, there is a class in video game design that is about ethics, which, uh, and so their, their podcast, so his buddy uh, Shlomo is a uh, philosopher. Uh, and and teaches philosophy and ethics. So they have a podcast called Ethics and Video Games, <laughs> which in the video game industry, there is enough. To my knowledge, there is not a, a video game company, and certainly none of the big ones, that has an ethics department. Right. And so they discuss sort of the ethics of the monetizing of free games, and they talk about the ethics of storylines and plot and uh, and all these things. And so... Neither one of them are comics. They're just nerds. You know, they're just... Uh, uh, it's, it's nerds and comedians. That's what I was going to say. It's all nerds and comedians talking... Yeah, it is kind of... Because it started with, with really tech nerds. That's true. Going, oh, we could just do this. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to talk about Magic the Gathering now. <laughs> and my seven friends are going to listen. And then I'm going to find 14 new friends. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, do it. Let's do this. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it's great. And I, I'm glad it gives uh, people like you an outlet. Certainly, I'm sure during lockdown and the pandemic, it was a way i mean zoom in a weird way was an extension of the podcast uh, experience for some of us right it was just another right. virtual way of having interactions with people so a lot of people started twitch channels yes. and yeah. instagram lives and youtube pushing to youtube and all this stuff cameos yeah. cameo was a thing there i think it might still be a thing i don't know oh it's still a thing yeah. my brother russ loves cameo he <laughs> likes to look into it and go you know that guy paunch 
on chips. You could just pay him to like call you up. And I was like, yes, yes, I bet you can. Well, anyway, it's I, I, I'm a fan of yours and I appreciate this conversation. And speaking of technology, I wanted to uh, ask you, well, first of all, we're celebrating staycation. Congratulations Thank again. I don't think we spoiled anything, as is my want. I don't try to spoil comedy specials. I try to just <laughs> tell people that something happened and let them make up their own minds, figure things out. If people want to learn more about you, Jackie, and your work, your podcast, all these things, your tour dates, where would you like to send them? They could go. All of my social media is at Jackie Cation, and it's JackieCation.com. So J-A-C-K-I-E-K-A-S-H-I-A-N.com. I also bought FamilyPetAncestry.com a couple oh. of albums ago, <laughs> and uh, and that just points to JackieCation.com. So if you go to FamilyPetAncestry.com, you can find out whether your cat came over on the Mayflower and see my tour dates. <laughs> so. That's a, that's incredible. Uh, you're an animal lover, clearly, from your comedy. How many do you have animals of your own? Well, we just got a dog. We got a lockdown dog. We oh. got us. Uh, we got us a pound dog. We had a choice between pit bull mixes and chihuahua mixes, and we didn't get to meet them because of COVID. Oh, you had to just pick them off the website. Yeah, my kids and are trying didn't... to get us to buy a buy. Get do you buy an animal? Yeah, I guess you buy. My yeah, kids are do. trying to get us to obtain some kind of animal by showing me photos on an app or a website. I'm like, okay, yeah. it's uh, different than we how we used to do it, but okay. Uh, right, right. So you got to do that. We got to do that, and Andy wanted – he didn't want a puppy. And uh, so we have an 8-year-old chihuahua mix named Gordy oh. who is a gentleman and a scholar. <laughs> and uh, he has a gravitas that makes me laugh uh, because he's he's kind of a grumpy – He's a grumpy middle-aged dog, right? <laughs> but he's tiny and he's super happy. But he doesn't like puppies and he doesn't like little kids. Yeah. But he li- and and he likes to he likes to bring it to bigger dogs. Like he's a caricature of a dog. Right. right. He's a dog, is did, what he is. Did he come? Did very, he come with a name, Gordy? He did, and he also came house trained and oh. and uh, and also pretty chill. Which is nice. Who knew I wanted to take three small walks a day with a small dog? <laughs> I'm I sure. Did. I think I you. Is this your first dog? I feel like you like dogs. It's my first ever dog. Oh. Um, we. Uh, yeah. My parents hated animals. I do a joke about that on the first album. Yeah. And Andy never. His family always had dogs. And uh, his dad used to train bird dogs pointers mm-hmm. for for hunting and for field trials on horseback. And so, like, that's a job he. he Clyde Ashcraft made up, as far as I can tell, <laughs> and loved it till the day he died. Clyde did, and, uh, but he. Um, so Andy grew up around all these dogs, and whenever they would have a dog, they would just find the dog. Oh, like, I see. It would be a loose dog that they would then put up signs on poles, and then no one would claim that dog, and then they would have a dog. I see. And so that's how he's always gotten dogs. So when I said, "Do you want to get a dog?" he had two things to say. One was, "That's not how you get a dog," and two. <laughs> You wouldn't have a dog. I would have a dog because you're on the road 42 weeks. I, I was thinking that. Yeah. So yeah. He said, so let's wait until I want a dog. Fair enough. And so he wanted a dog in lockdown. And so we got a dog. Well, people keep asking yeah. us if we want to get a dog or a cat. And I'm like, we have small. My kids are 10 and 7. They feel like dogs. I mean, they're just constantly chasing Does that still after feel them. feel like pets? A little yeah. bit. Like they're, they're <laughs> pets you can talk to. I'm like, why would I introduce a thing that doesn't listen to me because it doesn't understand English? And does the same stuff these guys do. Like, I don't, you know. Have you ever had a dog? I had a cat, and I've had a okay. bird. Uh, I had a buddy, a budgie named Buddy for 10 years, and he got sick mm-hmm. uh, and uh, 
right when I went to university. And when I came home from the first semester at Christmas, my parents told me he was sick, and it turned out he had a tumor. But he waited till the night I got home to to die, and uh, he loved me the most. This is a sad story, isn't it? And then, uh, Very yeah, then my cat Gary uh, died suddenly as well. I have a thing, and uh, I have trouble. I'm not a replacer. I don't like replacing animals. You know how we re- uh, you know- Lori Kilmartin's dad had five black labs named Pepsi. He yes. named them the same. Just took the collar off. Anyway, uh, yeah. he, uh- <laughs> I find that a little bleak and weird, and I I can't do uh, it. But but all I'm saying is I. Uh, our cat, my cat Gary, that we inherited from a neighbor before they mm-hmm. moved, because he he was born in the neighborhood and he didn't like where he they moved to, and he'd always hung out with us uh, as well as them. So I property miss property values. Yeah, yeah. we miss. Uh, he died like a couple months before my my uh, d- uh, daughter was born, and uh, I I but I often say uh, I haven't really been happy since Gary died. Like I feel it. Like I feel like a little. I'm sad all the time, and people say, "But wasn't your daughter born?" I'm like, "It's just not enough." I need. I miss my cat. So I have. You know, a, you could get you could get a kitten, and they're easier to train than dogs. Yeah. And or you could get a dog that's over a year old, and yeah. they're usually pretty well trained. Oh, I'll do it. I think we're we're on the cusp. We're going to get something because uh, mm-hmm. we all love animals. There is a neighborhood cat, Cado, who mm-hmm. sometimes we we let him in. Apparently, he does this with all the other houses, and he hangs out and he wrecks my stuff. He knocked over all my yeah. records on the ground the other day. Just knocked them all of over. He's, it's a yeah, nut. So right. anyway, I'm just, <laughs> it's fine. Okay, so uh, we've done some plugs. Uh, normally, uh, Jackie, I like to go out uh, playing a, a track, a song, uh, usually by an artist if it's a musician. But when there's a comedian with a record or a special, sometimes we mm-hmm. go out on a, a bit. Uh, would you want to go okay. out on a bit? And if so, maybe from Staycation. And if so, what would you want to? What, what would you want us to play? Wow. Um, a lot of pressure. I'm sorry. Yeah. What do you have there? Is that, uh, is that a vinyl copy of your... It's a CD. Did you get a CDs? Oh, good for you. You got CDs, man. Look at that. It looks good. Yeah, my dad's 84, <laughs> so I haven't put them on the website yet, but people are, will be able to buy them eventually. By the way, for those listening, um, uh, this special is on YouTube for free, right? It's You can watch it yep. on YouTube, and uh, it's now available on Compact Disc. And all the uh, streaming and, platforms. And all the streaming platforms. Yeah. It is on YouTube, but there will be ads because I'm hoping to recoup some of the costs. Oh, right. Because I couldn't sell it. Because uh, I'm good at three of any, like the nine jobs that I do. I'm good at any three, and it kind of rotates. I try to keep stand-up being the one that I'm good at the whole time. And then the other two, sometimes it's legal. Sometimes it's PR. Yeah. Sometimes it's, uh, you know... There's a lot of, and it turns out, uh, selling uh, my special, pitching this, the, wasn't good at it this week, uh, this this last month, so it didn't happen. So now it's just on YouTube, 800 Pound Gorillas YouTube, so there are ads, just to warn people, Seems like and a, I would appreciate it if they watched I don't it. understand why you wouldn't have been able to sell it. I've watched it a few times now, I love it, and uh, also I've seen on the socials all your uh, comedy friends or, or, or adjacent comedy friends. Yeah. Sharing it, loving it, so uh, who's yeah, who's to say? People love it. Who's to say? Except for that, I may not have the right connections, and the two connections that I had, I burnt those bridges. Oh no! Uh, okay, by typing things too quickly, <laughs> and one of those people responded to me. I know you don't know how insulting this is. If you could 
lose my confidence. Oh, no. I'm sorry to hear that. I was like, wow. All right. <laughs> okay. That is too bad. Remind me to do you want to do number four? Remind me to stay, I was gonna say, remind me to stay on your good side. I'm not going to. I don't want to. <laughs> no. No. You should remind me to stay on your good side because <laughs> I'm the one who's flippant. And then all of a sudden, I'm offended. So uh, I would say track number four, Vikings and Pups. Vikings and Pups. That's sort of appropriate with our... Yeah. That's actually quite appropriate for what we were just discussing, I would say. Uh, so, yeah, 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 I think that's a good one. Did you want to say anything about it before we get to it? Or do we just want to play it? You could just play it. And, well, no, I will say that if you want to see the photos that are referenced during that bit, I think they're on my Instagram. Okay. Which is, you just got to scroll through, and it's uh, at Jackie Kish. Okay. This is from the uh, amazingly funny new record and special. Uh, Staycation by Jackie Cation. This is Vikings and Pups. Jackie, this was a tremendous pleasure for me and an honor to have you on this show. I hope you enjoyed it, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. I was in Reykjavik, Iceland. Uh, you know how here in America you can go to a portrait studio and they'll dress you like a cowboy? And they'll take a picture of you dressed as a cowboy and then they'll put a sepia on that picture and then you will have a picture of yourself as an old-timey cowboy? I have always wanted such a photo. Uh, in Reykjavik, Iceland, downtown Reykjavik, Iceland, there is a portrait studio that will dress you like a Viking! <laughs> And I said to my husband, a man, always a fun reveal. Can we go? Can we go? And he said, we already have an appointment because we are in love. And we went. And they put me in furs and I had a bow and arrow and a shield and a spear. And I felt fierce. I felt dangerous. I felt sexy. And then I saw the photos. I'm not going to lie to you, I look like a tough old bird. I look like the mother of 13. That's what I look like. I look like I just spent 20 years raising Viking children. Which, by the way, sounds like this. Who has been leaving smoked fish out to spoil? Lars. Pick it up. And my husband, who makes video games for a living, and thus, by definition, is an indoor person, uh, he saw his photos and he said... I look like they came to the village and they're like, we're going to need everyone. <laughs> Including the accountants. But who's sexier than the Viking accountant, right? That guy's counting the loot. Steady work. The photographer at that portrait studio uh, had a dog, had a St. Bernard Mutt dog. And I said to him, like, you say to a guy with a dog, that is a nice dog. <laughs> And he said to me, she was a rescue dog. And I said, that's great. And then there was a long pause. And then I said to the man in downtown Reykjavik, Iceland, what do you mean by that? She was a rescue dog. And he said, she used to rescue people on ice floes. She was a rescue dog. Oh. In America, when we said that, it means we've saved a chihuahua mix and we're going to build ourselves a statue. I would like to pet all of your dogs. I want to pet all of your dogs. I would like to pet all of your dogs. Some of your dogs I'm not allowed to pet because they're shy or they got the PTSD or they're at work. Uh, I have a lot of friends who have working dogs. They have therapy dogs. They put all their anxieties into those dogs and then those dogs shake like whippets. They are the dogs of Dorian Gray, those dogs. But I could be of use to your therapy dog. You got a therapy dog? I, Jackie Cation, very... Very friendly animal. I could pet your therapy dog, bleed off some of that anxiety from that dog into this animal right here. 
then I give you back empty dog. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Very, very special thanks again to Jackie Cation for appearing on this, the 655th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't locate an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it on your platform there and it's not there, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, everything you need is at my website there, vishtana.com. You can also like and follow Creative Control on Facebook or or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram via at Vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this podcast. $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content, including, in this case, since we're talking about Jackie Cation, a little bonus bonus conversation with me and Jackie. Me and, G- me and Jackie have a little bonus chat. And so if you, if you give $6 or more a month, Again, you can change it at any point. You can increase, you can decrease. It's totally up to you. Monthly donations are flexible. You can change them at any time. But if you, at least $6 or more, you have access to this bonus content with me and Jackie. Plus, lots of other stuff too. Lots of stuff from my archives, old interviews, new interviews. It's all there. Anyway, if you're interested in uh, any of this, oh, and also if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, Visit patreon.com slash creative control for more info. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, each of which are located in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts, which is located in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my old friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim and his wonderful catalog of song at jimguthrie.org. And finally, you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Jackie Cation. If you're a big fan of Jackie's, I hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation, uh, maybe as much as you have uh, Jackie's conversations with others. If you're new to Jackie, she's wonderful. I hope that came across in this conversation. Uh, uh, Go see her live if you can. Check out Staycation. All the links you need to figure out how to do that are in the pod description, uh, depending on how you're uh, following the show there. So uh, if not, again, go to my website, vishkana.com. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode, for subscribing to the podcast, for telling your friends about the podcast, and maybe spreading the word about it. 
as much as you can. It's all very much appreciated. Uh, Thank you. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.